0: Hello everybody. On today's episode, we are so excited to welcome our guest Tim Oyang, also known as Tim B. Toad. He is a singer-songwriter and even dabbles in interior designing. Tim uses his art to express and share about both the joys and the struggles of life in his music. and we are so eager to just listen to him, share about his heart um, for art and how God has intimately shaped that. Uh, so thank you, Tim, for uh, just coming on. Thanks thank for having you, me. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, no, we're so excited for this conversation.
1: Yeah. All right, Tim, so my first question for you might be a little cliche, but I feel like everybody wants to know. How did you first get involved in like playing slash making music?
2: Um, So I have been uh, kind of into music my whole life. I, you know, I started singing at a really young age. And then I started taking piano when I was around six or seven. And then so, and I was one of those, you know, Asian kids that actually really liked playing piano. I wasn't just being forced into it, I actually wanted to. And then I started writing music right around middle school and then really started kind of like, um, honing my craft Um, probably around like college was when I started getting really serious about songwriting. And that's also when I kind of started uh, thinking semi-seriously about going into music as a career. But, you know, I was I was majoring in architecture at the time. So that wasn't something that um, I was, you know, I, I wasn't sure if that was going to be the trajectory that I wanted to take. And things kind of took a turn uh, during my last year of college when uh, my, my first guitarist, Andrew Che, um, called me and we didn't really know each other but he had heard of me and he was in california i was in virginia at the time he called me up and was like hey do you want to start a band and i was like sure you know i i think you know at that time i was really young um i wasn't really thinking about like too seriously about like what i you know what i wanted my my full-time career to be um so for me it was just kind of let me go on this adventure and you know, from there, that's when we started the band, um, Tim Be Told, and uh, we started out as a five piece, recorded an album, did a lot of touring. Um, So that's kind of the gist of how uh, everything kind of started out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um I think you mentioned that you started singing and you're also a part of choir. So um in terms of singing, was that something that just organically happened? Because I know, of course, piano, I'm sure you might have taken some lessons, but in terms of your interest in singing, was that just a natural passion that just came or how did you get into that? Yeah. Um, so my, I think my
2: mom told me that when I was little, I, I wouldn't shut up. Like I would just be singing all the time. Um, so I think part of it was just a natural inclination that I had. And I, I remembered from a young age, um, I don't know if this is going to sound arrogant or not but when i would sing i would think that it
0: was like one of the most beautiful sounds. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I, I think that's that's most people though, right? Most people feel that way about their voice. Oh. I don't I'm, know.
1: I'm, I'm over here like i wish i felt that
0: way. <laughs> well, at least at least shower voice, right? I mean, yeah.
2: Well, i i mean like i was, you know, when i was like 3 or 4, like i i wasn't like a a music critic, so there was no way that i could know for sure if, if i actually sounded good or not, but I remember from a very young age that, um, I guess like, you know, intonation, um, and, you know, and then just producing a clear tone was always very easy for me. And from a young age, like, I think, you know, my, my music teachers, my parents, um, they were all very, I guess, impressed, I guess, that, that I could sing the way that, that I could sing when I was so little. And, yeah, and I think over time, it was just you know being in choirs and being in a cappella groups and stuff that I started to to uh, refine that skill. Um, I think i had I think growing up, I had a lot of maybe like strong raw materials to work with. But I think for any musician or singer, um, you really have to practice and you really have to continue to perfect whatever talent that you have in order for it to be. Um, like a valuable skill. So uh, that's something that I, I think I kind of learned the hard way too, because, um, and I notice it now that I'm older, like if I don't practice um, singing or playing piano, even for like a week, I'll notice something different. Like I'll, I'll notice that things are starting to sound a little bit wonky. I don't have as much dexterity in my fingers when I'm playing. So there is this kind of, um, I think we all, you know, a lot of musicians do have a measure of natural talent, but there is this kind of like practice and discipline that needs to be employed on a daily basis um, for for them to continue their craft. Yeah.
0: For sure. Yeah. The reason why I ask about singing is um, when I hear your music, it seems like you're sonically taking from a lot of different places. And I wasn't sure if that was like produced sounds or you're actually like playing all these instruments. And I was like, wow. And and on top of all of that, you're just like you said, your voice is very um, distinct. And the projection of it is something that I really admire. And I feel like there's some like like relatability because me as well, I was part of like a choir as well. So um, I guess we had that connection. But yeah, one thing I also wanted to really speak about is your, the title of your band, to be told. Um, I read somewhere that it, it's actually like a call to truth be told, like the phrase truth be told. Mm-hmm. And so with that being said, um, what is it about the word truth that you feel is something that you gravitate towards in your songwriting? Yeah, um, you know, I think for, for
2: most of my life, I have, you know, tried to I guess, assimilate to the world around me. Um, and I've tried to be, oftentimes kind of be somebody that I'm not. Um, you know, my parents are first generation immigrants. Um, so for me, assimilating into kind of American culture was really important. And as a result, I I hid a lot of um, aspects of my, you know, of my personality, of my cultural upbringing. And also, um, you know, I'm gay as well. And so there was that aspect of my life that I was also trying to hide for most of my life. And so, you know, truth be, t- you know, Tim be told was actually just like a joke name at first um, when we when we first floated it. Um, but I think over time it has kind of uh, lived up to itself. And I think for me, truth and honesty are, are one of those things that we are seeing less and less of culturally. Mm. Um, I think that as more of our lives are being kind of governed by, you know, media, social media, um, you know, kind of mainstream narratives, I think we are starting to curate ourselves, like the, the parts that we don't feel like are presentable, um, we wow. kind of edit those out conveniently, right? And and sometimes literally, right? Like you have people editing their Instagram photos of themselves, right? Because there are physical features that they don't like. And we do that with social media too. Um, we edit out the parts of our character, our personality that we find, that people might find distasteful. And so, you know, making music and making art for me has always been an exercise in truth-telling um, because there are parts of our lives that are not perfect, right? Um, there are parts of our lives that are sometimes hard to explain to people if they haven't lived it. And for me, it's a very difficult process to parse through all of those nuances, um, to communicate to people and articulate to people like what it is like to, you know, grow up in your particular set of shoes. Um, and what I found is that when you're honest about who you are, when you're honest about the life that you've lived and the struggles that you have. What I found is that it gives people this unconscious permission to be honest themselves in a way it helps set people free. Um, Wow. And you know, I'm not a person that really is that interested in spreading agendas. Like I don't tell people how they should live their life. For me it's more like, you know, if you if you give people permission to bring everything about themselves like out into the open, out into the light, then I feel like it's much easier to deal with those things than just hiding them. And I feel like, as the generations, um, you know, I, I I'm part of the I'm part of the millennial generation, but you know, Gen Z and a lot of these younger generations, um, like the, I mean, the rates of depression and suicide are so high right now, and it it scares me. Um, and I think part of it is, you know, there's a whole entire generation raised on artificial interaction, right? Everybody's raised on like social media and social media, while it's connected us, it's also created this idea of like the least common denominator, right? So everything has to be almost like generic, right? Um, We have to kind of follow these kind of mainstream ideas. And if anybody thinks differently, we kind of shut them down. And so I would really like to see more artists kind of be truly honest about how they feel about things and, and what they think. Uh, truly honest about their struggles, um, because I think if we did, I think we'd all be a lot more humble too, in kind of mm-hmm. our, our public discourse. Um, I mean, we just you know we just came out of a very contentious election where you know where literally the country was split in half in terms of like who they voted for, and what i have found particularly discouraging about all of this is that extremes from both sides are just incredibly mean to each other to the point where it's um where it's like you have this almost like we come from this place of like moral authority right it's it's no different than religion right it's no different than you know those like super religious people that you you know grew up with in church right who who would kind of look at down on you and kind of um, condescend to you um, because you either didn't believe the right things or you didn't do the right things. And I think we could all stand to have a little bit more humility and to be like, I don't understand where you're coming from. I don't understand why you believe these things, but I also wanna hear where you are coming from and maybe listen to your ideas so that we can talk about this. And I think what's happened is um, we have, a, there's a new set of moral rules now, I think. Um, and I, everybody has to abide by them. Um, and if not, you get kind of shunned. And this is happening on both sides. I'm not saying that this is like one side or the other. Um, and we kind of divide ourselves with like religious fervor, you know, in terms of like, mm-hmm. you know, this is this is my team. And and for me, I'm just like, I'm not on either team. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like I, each person is unique and individual. I find it so hard to believe that we all could be just separated into this binary, right Yeah that all of your beliefs line up with this side and you disagree with everything on the other side. That mm. to me is absurd. And so for me, just like as a creator, as a musician, the first thing that I have to do is be honest with myself, you know B- before I can be honest with with the public is is I have to question every thought that is presented to me, every idea that is presented to me and think to myself, is this what I really believe? Do yeah. I really believe this to be true, or is it just because what the media is telling me, or what you know, popular consensus is telling me? And what I found is that I, I have this kind of natural skepticism, in, in just kind of built into my nature. But um, I think a lot of us, we uh, we either suppress that, or we just we just kind of like, we censor ourselves. So that we can fit into kind of the kind of the world around us. Um, so I think as a creator, uh, there's a part of me that pushes against that. You know, it could be just like a rebellious spirit type of thing. But um, <laughs> I mean, I think for me, it's it's just more about I want to be able to I want to be able to sleep at night, you know, knowing that I I said and did what I truly believe and that I did the right thing.
1: Wow, I I really like that because. You're talking about being honest and vulnerable about the things, like and authentic, about the things that we might struggle with, and I think it's pretty like clear too. Like in Genesis, when we sin, our natural like reaction is to hide, and I think that that's not what God wants us to do. I feel like some of the most dangerous places we could be is in secret. I think that's even why, like, God calls us to spend time with him in the secret place too because it's in that secret place where who we really are is what comes out and that's what truly matters. So when we have these, like, these sins that's, like, we keep those secret and we're not, like, true, or not real about them, I think it encourages, like, everybody else to, like, want to put up a front. I feel like if as the body of Christ we all were more honest and just kind of, like, Vulnerable about the things that we go through and the things that we struggle with, it would encourage more people to want to be the same way, you know. Like, yeah, I've had friendships where I run into people who they're like they're so like unafraid of being themselves and their thoughts on things. Where I'm not naturally like that. I'm like, "Ah." and when I see that, that's so inspiring, and it makes me want to like, okay, yeah, I can. I can say what I really feel is on my mind or, like, what's really true. Like, I'll just give an example. Andy's like that. He's really good at just being, like, really, like, honest. <laughs> and, <laughs> to, but to, when, certain
0: people, to certain people. Not, yeah. Not all people.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, like, when I'm around Andy, I feel like I have no problem being really, like, honest and open. But sometimes there are those people that may not be that way, and I don't always feel so inclined to do the same. Mm. So... You know, maybe if we were all a little bit more honest like that and authentic, it would encourage more people to open up and be like that as well.
0: Yeah, I, I actually yeah, want to respond to you, Tim and Ariel as well. When Tim, when you said you want to like maybe if your music through its true talent can help set people free. I think that really registered for me. Um, I feel like anything that I do, um, whether like because me, Ariel and I, we both dance. I make videos. As an occupation I feel like it's not really it Maybe when I was a little more immature I don't know if it's an immature thing to say this But it was more about I want to give people an experience Where it's like ethereal And they're like this is so artistic And this feels so good But I feel like the older I get It's more of like If my journey and what I'm doing Can help people feel more brave To get their own talent out there Or their truth out there Then I'm more, I'm more happy about that I'm more fulfilled in that than giving someone an experience that makes them feel so good for a short-lived time. Yeah. So I think, yeah, um, to just talk about even like the last couple of months, um, to be honest, um, I think just as a Christian, um, I think more of the disillusionment that set in was from the lack of kindness between believers. I think that kind of had more of an effect on me than anything else of what people believe necessarily. So I guess it was the execution of stating your beliefs and how you are coming to people with your beliefs. So I think when I hear you speak, I just get this really like deep sense of like, maybe it's all about creating a space that people are comfortable to share, even if what's being shared is different and making everyone feel like, oh, there's a sense of peace in this dialogue. We're not fighting. We're just simply talking about how I feel in my heart. So I just thank you for being like a voice, like literally a voice in your music and your lyrics of doing that. Cause I do really sense that in your lyrics and in your um, music. I appreciate
2: that. Yeah. And and just to kind of piggyback on what you guys are saying, I think um, definitely in the church, I think we've started to see this kind of rift. And I think this is what happens when people uphold ideology over love. Right? Like, you know, we all have these kind of like belief systems that we have, right? That are, are shaped, you know, by the way that we grew up, um, you know, our, our, our cultural biases and, uh, you know, just how we perceive the world. And when you hold up belief systems and ideologies so close, right? Like it's not, it's not bad to have a belief system, but when you hold it so close that it like starts to, um, that you start to lack empathy for another person that is different than you, I would say then your ideology has become toxic. Um, And we see this all over, we see this throughout history, you know, like a lot of terrible political movements actually started with good intentions, right? Where there was this kind of, you know, where, where you are saying like, oh, this person is bad, right? Like this person is... Uh, doing something wrong. So therefore we have to like cut them down a peg or two, right? Um, I mean, that's where a lot of bloody revolutions start too, right? Um, And so it's this idea of people upholding ideologies, right? Their belief system, right? That basically ends up othering the person next to them, right? Where you are just like, you don't fall into this particular paradigm. You don't fall into this particular belief system. So therefore I'm going to like, I'm going to eliminate you, right? To the point where some some people have called like in this political, you know, space that we find ourselves right now, people calling for the deaths of other countrymen, like uh, of other Americans, like like that's crazy to me, right? Where you could wish death upon other people simply because they disagree with your opinion on something. And, you know, I think that you know, people have gone through a lot of these like mental gymnastics to justify mm-hmm. such kind of like vitriolic language and rhetoric, but I I don't buy it. You know, I, I it, to me it's just like if you're calling for the death of somebody who is disagreeing with you, you are no you're no better than mm-hmm. than any of these other things that we've seen throughout history. And so, for me, as like a you know as like an artist, as a musician, like I, I really hope that people. Will start to see beyond kind of th- like their own ego, right? Like, and that's the thing. It's just like a lot of our disagreements with people sometimes aren't even because we truly believe the thing. It's because yeah. we want to be right in that moment. Yeah. No, definitely. And so for me, like, you know, I I'm I'm a Christian, right? But I also am gay. And so that has been a very, very, very like tense thing that I've had to kind of navigate through. I grew up in very, very conservative circles, very conservative churches. I've had very conservative friends. But I would say that for me, in, in navigating through all of that, um, I've found that if you don't take things personally, like if you, if someone disagrees with even who you are, right? You know, your identity, like someone who's racist against you, right? Or someone who is homophobic, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, I've found that if you give me five minutes or like an hour with somebody who doesn't like me or disagrees with my, with my belief system or who I am, give me an hour with that person, I'll talk to them. And even though I might not change their mind, I feel like I will change their attitude. Um, because when you make yourself open and, and, and vulnerable and for the most part, all right, there are some crazies out there, you know I don't want I don't want diminish that, but um, for the for the average person, like if you come from this place of like I'm not trying to defend myself, I just you're gonna tell you my story, like this is where I come from you disarm people, like you disarm them because everybody comes into some of the, these conversations like wanting like a fight, you know, like I wanna fight you, right? And I think that's why art and music is so effective too, right, and and that's why like I, ch- I generally choose not to argue or engage with people in that way. I try to use music as a way to just communicate who I am. And what I've found is that like people who have heard these songs that I've written about, you know, struggling as a gay person in the church, I've had not just You know, queer Christians who are closeted, you know, share how much it has helped them. I've had straight people contact me and said that they were weeping throughout the album because they had never heard somebody articulate those feelings in that way. And it gave them this sense of empathy and compassion, right? And so for me, like, I'm never, I'm not interested in telling people, like, oh, like your belief system is wrong, right? Like if someone wants to believe that homosexuality is a sin or if someone wants to believe that it's not a sin, that's that's a very uninteresting conversation to me because at the end of the day, like you can argue it either way, right? And you'll argue until like you die and you'll get nowhere. But if you start to form relationships with people, start walking with people, mm-hmm. you know, and you start dealing with things out in the open, my theory is that, Get people in front of God, get people, whatever they're dealing with, like put it out in the open, you know, put in front of God and God will deal with them, you know? And I think we're, we're so caught up in like morally and culturally policing people um, because, you know, people who are different than us make us uncomfortable. And instead of like living with that tension, living in being uncomfortable with people that are different, we have become tribal, right? We're just like, I don't want to hear what you have to say. I don't want to be a part of your world and you should not be part of mine. So I'm gonna unfriend you. I'm gonna block you. Like, like I mean, people are like, you're toxic, right? Like, you are you have no place in my life. And for me, I'm just like, it really does not need to escalate to that point. It just takes one person to be gentle. It takes one person to show humility and kindness to disarm an entire like fight and conversation. Whoa. Like, like it doesn't have to escalate into anger. Um <laughs>
1: That is literally scripture. Yeah. <laughs> a software turns away wrath. <laughs> I love that. Everything you said is just like, I think it's really needed for a time like this because this political, everything was going on and just so many, the way our world is being affected by this year with the COVID and with, you know, the presidential election, people are on like opposite sides. There's people who are like anti-masks, people who are like, if you don't wear a mask you're horrible you know like there's just so much division right now and you know a house divided against itself can't stand and i think that that's like the part where it's it's dangerous for us as christians because we're exactly like you said we're putting like our our morals and and our like things that we believe but and it's good to have those but at the same time like when we're letting that get in the way and affect how we love our brother, then that's when we're on dangerous ground, you know?
0: Yeah, I I love the way you said like humility and just being a gentle person can like disarm people. And I think that's a way that I look about like, or that's that's how I kind of view evangelism. I think you don't have to go about it in the way that like most people think the textbook definition of evangelizing is like cold calling, going door to door. I literally think it's just about being yourself. And I think if you are full yourself, that's like the most disarming thing that people can feel. Of course, like there, again, like you said, there are some people who are just naturally inclined to certain negative behaviors, but just like as an artist, you know, like I think most artists would love to say, I want to be real. And I feel like as um, just believers, that's something that we are called to, to be a people that are like different and handle situations with love and tact and with wisdom and in that way be disarming. And if I feel like if we can really just accept that part and just do it a different way than, than we've been known to do it, I think there definitely would be much more just, um, things that bring people together rather than like we both, we both just, or we all three of us talked about, like is so divisive, you know? Yeah. And I, you know, I, this, it reminds me like about four
2: years ago, um, you know, when Trump was elected, a lot of people were really upset. Um, and I actually ended up writing this Facebook post um, on my Tim Be Told Facebook page. And I basically just said like, you know, I know a lot of people are upset but and I, it was a kind of like a letter to Trump voters, which was, and I just said like, hey, you know, I know you have your reasons for why you voted. Um, and I just want to say like, for the next four years, you know, for those of us who are scared of this presidency, you know, please, you know, look out for us and protect us, you know, because you believe in this guy, um, but if you see him doing some crazy things, please hold him accountable too. And I think a lot of people resonated with that, but there were a couple of people who got really angry at me for like the way I phrase certain things. And they started commenting and saying all these, like, you know, saying like, you know, you don't know what you're talking about, whatever, whatever. and. Instead of like arguing with them and like getting mad about it, I just said, you know what, I'm really sorry that I expressed that in the way that you took it. And I I really hope that you understand where I'm coming from and that I really do believe that there are people that voted a certain way because, you know, they have a certain belief system and I don't think that they're evil people necessarily. And then the guy who was saying all this stuff, like, was shocked and he re- he responded in a comment and was just like wow that was so gracious i didn't expect that and then like ended up defending me later on when other people were attacking me on mm. that post and so i think what you what people don't realize is that you just have to shift somebody's perspective just a small amount just like a small degree and it takes them on a completely different trajectory you know you don't have to tr- change someone's mind completely you just have to show them that like none of us are monsters, right? And if you start humanizing people in that way, and that's again, that's why that's why I make music, right? It's the one of the most human things that you can do, right? Like music kind of bypasses a lot of this like BS, right? All, a lot of the surface stuff, all of the the armor that we put on, and, and it penetrates through that. And it kind of hits people in the soul where there's no amount of explaining that I could do, no amount of podcasts that I could do that could really resonate with people in that particular way. And so my thinking and my theory is that we all probably have much more in common, you know, in terms of like the core of our humanity than we actually think. I think we've we've been kind of manipulated a little bit to kind of be at each other's throats, and and the fact that it's happening now, even within the confines of the church, is really terrifying to me. But I do think that there is a way out of it too. I think that there is that there are people that are kind, that are are tactful, that are wise, that will bring healing to this situation. And it starts at the individual; like it has to start with individual relationships. It has to start with people really like approaching each other with humility and kindness. And sometimes people will spit that right back into your face. And and in that case, I would say, just, just be okay with it. You know, like just, just, you know, I think in our current political climate, the idea of turning the other cheek is like, is like something unspeakable, right? Like you Mm. like to turn the other cheek, right? Like we're dealing with all these things that are supposedly so consequential, but I'm just like turning the other cheek, like, as long as someone's not trying to murder you, like I don't really see a problem with that. And the other thing too is like, I don't understand, what I'm really confused about right now, and maybe you guys can maybe enlighten me too, is why is it that so many people are so concerned about like a political figure, whether it's on the left or the right, right? That doesn't know that they exist, doesn't really care about them, and then they're willing to divorce family members, friendships from like for like people that they've they've known for years over somebody that they don't know, you know, over like a political party that really does not care about them at all on either side. Um, and that to me is what is so kind of absurd about this particular cultural zeitgeist is that mm-hmm. we are now in the business of of literally cutting off the people that we love the most simply because of a disagreement about somebody that doesn't care about us.
0: Um, Ariel, you wanna?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, I kind of try to ask myself that as well. I mean, I think the ultimate thing, if someone's willing to cut off someone they love over something like that, I mean, I understand both sides feeling hurt by the other side because there are things that they both hold as like, Very important. And that's the thing is like both of them, both sides hold things that actually like line up with what God says. And that's the thing is like it's not to get mad at the other side for not putting emphasis on the certain things that you're putting emphasis on. That doesn't Mm -hmm. really make sense because when you really think about it, there are things on both sides that I believe matter to God and so to be so intolerable about the other side is, is to basically, that's like, you know, God, like I, I'm picking and choosing these three things that are more important to me than that. Mm, wow. And so I, I feel like, you know, obviously, yes, I have my views and I have what I agree with. I, I agree with both sides on certain things, but I think at the end of the day, just like you were saying, I think sometimes we hold the problem with those certain beliefs is it gets too vague. It gets too like umbrella and not enough personal, not personal enough because there's certain topics where it's like, it's really easy to point at that person and say something, but what if that's your brother? Like, or what if that's your sister? Then it kind of changes your perspective a little bit. Sure. Sure. And I think that's what gets dangerous about that, about being so like cutting off people for not believing the same things as you,
0: you Mm, know? Definitely. Yeah, I think I agree. I think when we start thinking that our thing that's more important to us is more important than them, like what they believe, I think we get into like maybe being hyper-religious as well. Like what I believe is right. Like it's more important to the heart of God. And then someone else might be like, no, what I believe is more important to the heart of God. So it's weird. Like, even if like you guys believe in different things, it still kind of leads to the same path of like being hyper religious and being like to the point of like, of course, being religious is good. But to the point of, um, like you said, being toxic and really kind of denying the biggest thing, which is to love others, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's like just being very um, tunnel vision and being very narrow-minded. But um, yeah.
1: Yeah, when you see Jesus talking to people, you see him talking to people in multiple ways. Yeah, he preaches to crowds, but he doesn't only preach to crowds. He has relationship. He goes up to people. He went to the woman at the well. You know, like he finds people where they're at and i think that that's like the part where we have to remember is to not just like generalize everybody and just preach to the crowds but relationship mm-hmm. with people. But um so i wanted to talk to you a little about a little bit about some other avenues that you are in. Sure. Like i know you have a blog which is really that's really cool. So i i would like to know a little bit about that. And then i'd like to get into your interior design also. But before we get there, I want to know, like, as a songwriter and someone who speaks a lot of, like, truth and, like, vulnerability, authenticity in your songs, what is the difference between that and then when you're writing on your blog? The reason why I ask is because I feel like I've met a lot of artists, like, songwriters who say that they do that because they're not really good at, like, speaking or with their words. Uh, but it seems like you like to do both. You know, you also like to write blogs. So what's the difference for you there? Or?
2: Yeah, um, I think the best way to explain it would just be that, you know, they are different mediums. Um, I think, you know, a song is very limiting in terms of like the amount of stuff that you can say, although it can be very potent in how you say it, right? Because it's 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 poetry to music. Um, so in in that way, you are getting a little bit of help from the from the music itself um, to kind of like bypass people's skepticism. Um, I think the the blogging exercise, for me, at least, is more a way for me to um, parse through some more complex thoughts. Um I think that, I I would describe it like this, like music is a way for me to process my emotions and um, blogging is a way for me to process kind of my thoughts. Mm. Um, And so I can kind of pontificate a little bit more in in the blogging realm, um, kind of talk about things with a little bit more like detail and nuance. And Blogging is, is is kind of the, the supplemental thing that kind of helps me clarify for people where I'm coming from so that people don't just make assumptions about like mm. what I, what I think, what I believe. Um, so that's kind of my, my feelings about blogging.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, speaking of blogging, um, I remember reading about, so in like one of the more darker periods of your life, the tougher times of your life, you are saying that it was hard for you to just get up and, just write music and sing. But you also said that you just kept trying and kept persisting. And then eventually your love for music like reawakened. So um, I've been kind of in a place where I'm getting like not, I'm not as excited about what I'm doing because of different contexts, whether it be just um, relationships or things that's going on in my own personal life. But I was wondering if you could just lead us into like how you really you know, got out of that place and then your love for music did reawaken? Yeah, um,
2: I feel like for a lot of us who are creators, right? And for those of us who make money off of our creation, it can easily become something that just becomes not fun anymore. Um, And I know for me, commodifying my art has always been a very difficult um, tension for me Mm. because when you start making music for money, it is very hard to keep your art pure because Mm. you start kind of changing it, you start manipulating it um, so that more people will listen to it. And when you're doing, and we all know, like when you start doing things for popularity or trying to appeal to the least common denominator, your art starts to to lose something. Mm. And so for me, there was a, a time period where I just was wondering like, why am I doing this? right like i i don't know if what i'm doing is effective i don't know if what i'm doing like has any value and i felt like i was trying to make music to make people like me and that was when um it started becoming really depressing right because instead of making art from a place of of wholeness from a place of like i am enough and and kind of like a more of like an outpouring it felt like i was taking my own poverty of soul and trying to take from that little that i that i barely had to like make more music so that people could consume it and make me money right mm-hmm. and that was such a draining process i hated it you know, it's, it's, and and in these days, it's not even just about money, right? For for a lot of people, like creating art is about just getting people to like it, right? Like, yeah. oh, if like if I get like a mil, like a couple hundred thousand views or a million views, right? Like if I get enough likes, that's another form of commodification, right? Because you're making art so that you will get like kind of this um, credit right? Or some kind of like approval from society. And when you start making music or art or dancing or whatever for that specific purpose, it, it can quickly start to become a drain on your soul. And it just starts, it just stops being fun. And so for me, you know, after I came out in around 2017, I actually took a huge, long break from doing any performances because I I basically blew up my life, you know, I blew up my whole, my whole world. Um, I mean, there were so many people that stopped asking me to perform simply because I was kind of this untouchable, you know, figure now. Um, And taking that time off and doing something else to kind of just like find out who I was, to... Realized that my identity was not tied up in like how many people listen to my music. That I had value outside of all of that stuff, um, and it w- And then in that kind of time period where I kind of was not concerned about getting social media likes or you know making sure that I was like selling enough music. Um, that's when I started writing the music for this latest album that I did. Mm. And it was probably one of the most honest pieces of work that I've ever done and one of the things that I'm most proud of in my music career. And it might have not garnered as much attention as some of the stuff that I've done in the past, but I was so much happier making it. And that was the thing that mattered to me the most was Mm. that the joy for making music came back. And it mm-hmm. wasn't this drudgery of like, of like doing the same thing over and over again, you know, and trying to see, like, trying to look back at things that I'd done in the past to see like, oh, this worked last time. This made people like my music. So let me try to recreate that. And I think a lot of artists get stuck in that kind of place of like, I need to recreate success, right? Mm-hmm. Or I, or if they haven't achieved success yet, they're like, I have to be successful in this. Um, so I would just say to kind of your point is that, if it doesn't make you happy, take some time away from it too. Yes, there are times when you should just like kind of sit in front of, you know, your piano or or your canvas or or whatever, right? And kind of, you know, make try to make something happen and 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 keep that discipline. But there are also times when something has become so toxic, like something that you used to love has become something that you hate now, mm. that taking some time away from it, taking a break from it and doing something else can actually help spark your love for that thing again and you start when you come back to it with fresher eyes and fresher ears it actually ends up kind of it kind of reinvigorates that whole artistic wow. process mm-hmm. um, so you know for those if you know so if you are kind of in that in that rut right now i would say like it's okay to take some time off like you know you don't have to keep forcing yourself to do it especially if it doesn't make you happy
0: well wow, that's good thank you
1: Okay, well, I'm going to switch gears a little bit, if you don't mind, because this is the part that I, I mean, I've been really interested in it, in it all, but I'm really, I'm excited to talk about your interior design. So, I noticed earlier you were talking about architecture, mm-hmm. so I'm guessing it's very much like, is it the areas that you dabble in? Is it more like architectural design or is it also like decor or tell us a little bit about that?
2: But yeah, I started the interior design thing, um, actually right after I kind of, you know, blew up my music career and just kind of took some time off. Um, and really the way that it started was, um, I, I had, um, basically moved into a new house, um, in here in California and, you know, living in the Bay is very expensive. Um, so furnishing an entire house is, 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 is quite a feat. Um, and so Mm -hmm. then I started basically blogging about kind of the renovations that I was doing to my house and kind of where I was getting my furniture, things like that. And, and so I started this blog called Bay on a Budget. Um, I didn't think that anything was really going to come of it. You know, like I, I posted a few things about making my own furniture and just like, you know, where to get free stuff if you want it. Um, And it kind of blew up uh, kind of unexpectedly uh, because people started finding it. You know, I started posting some stuff from my blog on Pinterest. um, And then now I think close to 600,000 people are looking at my Pinterest every month. Um, (laughs) Wow. Kind of this weird unexpected uh, viral thing that happened. Uh, And then after that, like people were asking me like, hey, can you come work on my house? Um, Like, can you start doing some design work? And at first I was thinking like, oh, I'll just do this for fun. Like it'll just be, you know, I'll, I'll charge someone like, you know, 30 bucks to just, you know, do like a little design for them. And then it actually started becoming like a very viable business. Like there were just so many people asking me to do work for them. Um and the work just started becoming like really like just way too big for me to just be doing this for free um or for 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 me to be doing it um, for so cheap and because it was taking up so much of my time. So I ended up kind of shifting a little bit um, away from the music stuff since I had already done that and then started really focusing on building up this uh, interior design business. and it's been really great. Um, I, I really enjoy it. It's a completely different industry than what I was in. You know, it's it's a service industry, right? So I'm basically, you know, listening to a client, you know, trying to basically, you know, make their vision come to life. And as you know, w- before as a musician, right? Like it was very different. Like, uh, you know, I would, when I was on tour, like I'd show up at a place and it's, it was kind of like the, it was the opposite thing, right? Where it was just like, because you're the talent, They're like bringing you food. They're you know getting you hotel rooms and like you know everyone's kind of like not at your service, but like they're basically trying to make you as happy as possible, right? Mm -hmm. As like a guest and you know at at their venue. Um, So kind of switching that up and becoming kind of more of this service industry type of thing, where I had to really focus on the needs of other people, you know, and to like really listen to them, really make this thing happen for them. It was. It was really refreshing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was like it, I felt like it took me out of myself, like took me out of my own ego. Um, because I mean, I, I, I'll be honest with you, every artist that you that that's out there struggles with narcissism and ego. Every one of them, like, and if they tell you that they don't, they're lying. Um, <laughs> and like. That is that is a thing that we have to wrestle with to the grave, especially if we're using our art um, like in a, in a way that's very public, right? That we that is commodified and people consume it. Um, and so, just kind of taking myself out of that world for a second and just doing something where where I'm kind of invisible, right? Like they they don't really care about me, right? They're 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 not like oh Tim, be told, you know? They're like <laughs> I'm paying you, do what I want you to do, or else I'm going to be very unhappy. And At first, I was like, it was hard for me to get used to that, right? Because it it had always been the opposite of like, oh, what can we do to make you happy, Tim? Like, what can we get you? Like, what food do you want? You know. And now it was more of like, I was, it just, it was so, it was such a huge paradigm shift, and Mm. it was so hard to get used to within, like, for the first few months. And then when I really started embracing that idea of me, like, kind of, not not being their servant, but just kind of like, I, I was kind of at their disposal, um, I really started like loving the work because when you finish it and you see this person is just like, you've really changed their life, right? Like um, Mm. people don't realize how much the spaces that they occupy affect them. Yeah. Um and so when you create this new space for them where it is more functional, more beautiful, it's something that will serve as the backdrop for their family um to live in. Like that is such a cool feeling. And you know, in the same way that like you know where where in music like I saw it making a difference in people's lives, I've seen the interior design thing do the same thing, right? And and wow. it's a different type of art, but it's really cool because um, I even had a friend who I um, I helped redo their kitchen and she was telling me that like her and her husband were fighting all the time uh, because the kitchen was so disorganized and they just like couldn't function in it. And she said it was like the source of a lot of strife in their marriage. And so I went in there and I just like redid, reorganized their whole kitchen, like basically made everything more beautiful, more functional. And a couple months later, she just she said to me, "She's like, this has changed my life. She's like, I don't fight with my husband about this anymore." And wow. and, and you just think about that, right? Like how some such a super a seemingly superficial change, right, can make such a big difference for someone's personal life. Like that, wow. that to me is so cool, right? That even the things that we don't usually consider as being uh, as being consequential to someone's daily life are actually incredibly consequential. Um, and so that's something that I've really enjoyed in, in learning with interior design.
0: Wow. No, I think, I think I completely agree. Before we got on this call, I'm actually in like a room of my friend's studio. He like lives here and, uh, me, my friends and I, we sometimes meet here just to like talk life. Like it's basically like accountability group, but usually we would meet, uh, meet in like the bigger space. And then um, for the first time, we actually met in, like, this room, which is much smaller and much more intimate. And I realized how different it was, just, like, our conversation, because we are in, like, an enclosed space um, and not in, like, this wide open or, like, I don't know. I just feel like maybe, like, um, I don't want to sound, like, hyper-spiritual, but it's just, like, when I hear you speak about your journey with interior design, there's something so spiritual about it. Like, <laughs> a space for people to really just yeah, feel good. But not only that, it's like almost like a restorative kind of thing going on, you know? Yeah. I mean, and and that's the thing is just like architecture used to be one of those things that was
2: so important, right? Um, Like, I don't know if you guys have ever visited the Vatican before. But the first time like I, I like went inside like St. Peter's Basilica, I looked up and I, it was the architecture was so. I mean, I'm going to sound like such a such a hack when I say this, but <laughs> like the architecture was so beautiful and so enormous. Like just being inside that space and seeing how high those ceilings were and see how massive that space was, and all the beautiful artwork and painting. And I started getting teary eyed because it was just so emotionally overwhelming to be in that space. And so architecture really and space really does affect people um I think even like if we're talking about schools right like what a what a classroom looks like affects how a kid learns in there right like if a kid is going into a school where like you know the lockers are like you know like broken and like everything is dirty and everything is old that kid who's going to that school is not going to really value their education that much because they're gonna think like well, the space around me is signaling to me mm. that this is not important, right? Mm. Like I remember this distinctly, right? Like I I was one of the first high school kids in my township to go to the newer high school, right? And like when we entered that building and just seeing how fresh and new everything was and just, it was so exciting. Like you wanted to be there, right? Like you wanted to learn. Um, and I think that that's, that's the case for so many spaces that we occupy, right? Whoa. Like. You know, my thing with with Bay on a Budget, the blog too, is also to kind of inspire people to really look at the spaces that they're occupying and seeing like, is this actually helping me or is this hurting me, right? And and, and I think that there's a reason why all these organization shows on Netflix are doing so well right now, whether it's like Marie Kondo <laughs> mm-hmm. or like the home edit, like people are realizing like when they see something that is organized and that that something has like, it's like pleasing to look at. it just makes life easier, you know mm-hmm. it's it's you're not like scrambling to find things, right and they have and then right. having like these like systems in place. so i I love kind of seeing people realize that too like when when they realize because people don't know what they don't know, right um, and when they start to realize like, oh my gosh, I was living my life this certain way before. And now that you've come in and organized this and made this beautiful, like I can't imagine my life any other way. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's just like the gospel, right? Like it's mm-hmm. like people wow. don't know what yeah. they don't know, right? People just think like this is life and this is how I'm going through it, right? Mm-hmm. And then when you come in, like, and this is and this has been my experience um, so many times I can't even count. Like people are just like, people will spend time with me and they'll be like, why are you... Like, why do I feel so happy when I'm around you? You know, why do I feel like, why do I feel at peace, right? Why is it, why is that, why is it your presence so calming? And like, they don't even realize what they've been missing. Um, and then when they finally have kind of a taste of that, right, and they're exposed to even just a little bit of it, they're like, I, I want this, like, whatever you have, you know, mm. whatever joy, whatever peace that you have. Um, this kind of like patience that you have, like I want this, right? And that's so cool, right? Like you're so much of, um, I I don't know how I got into the gospel from interior design, but like so much of like like the pathologies that people struggle with is because they don't, they haven't seen the other option, right? They haven't Mm. seen what could be. So as artists, right? As Christians, as musicians, whatever, right? we're really just showing people like the possibility we're showing them that there's something better than what you have which is why i'm like very like i i i really don't like the the very like negative approach to evangelism which is just Mm -hmm. like where people have to tell somebody like you're a sinner and you're going to hell and let now let me tell you the good news because you (laughs) you know because it's like you're basically you're basically trying to make something terrible sounding you know and and trying to make that sink in first and then you have to deliver the good news and to me i'm just like is it really good news if you have to give somebody really bad news first you know what i'm saying it's like and that's something that i i struggle with right um because there's so much emphasis on the eternal aspect of, of christianity but i'm just kind of like there are so many good things you know about the kingdom that are here and now, right? Wow. Like that that life can be good. And and here's the thing is like suffering, like pain, that's like the norm for people. You know what I'm saying? Like the gospel is not just, you know, like kind of like a like a free pass to heaven. Like that's not what this is about. Yeah. It's about transformation, right? It's wow. about like transforming someone's life. So here and now, right? The eternal manifests itself here and now. Yeah. Um, and I wish that people would focus on that aspect, because I think, it's not that the heaven and hell thing, you know, is not important, you know? It's kind of like a, a limited picture oh, of yes, what the gospel definitely. is, right? And I used to work with like drug addicts, you know, uh, back in Virginia, um, who were like going through, you know, rehab and like people who had uh, kind of backslid and, and gotten back into the drugs and stuff. And there is this thing where like people, um, get so caught up in like trying to ameliorate their pain, right? And trying to like cover it up, trying to numb themselves. And then when you bring something to them, right, and you kind of like show them that there's this other way and it's less stressful. It's less about you striving towards something. And it's more about the fact that if you just bring yourself to God, he will he will make that transformation happen. Right. Like he will change the substance of your soul and your spirit. So that the struggle against you know sin or whatever destructive behaviors is not this kind of like, oh man, like I, I I just have to keep doing this because it's the right thing. It's that all of a sudden those things start appealing to you less because yeah. you have the better thing. you have the more the thing that is much more fulfilling, the thing that restores you, the things that the thing that makes you whole. Mm. And that to me is the beauty and the power of the gospel, not the whole like, let me give you the bad news and now let me give you the good news, right? Like yeah. that, it's just it's just oversimplifies the whole thing.
0: Mm. Wow, yeah. I definitely agree. I think the here and the now of being like a believer is something that isn't often um, talked about, at least in terms of um, evangelizing, because I think it's the aspect that God still restores in the here and now. Like I think that's something that doesn't really translate as well for a lot of believers. And they think that, Everything is going to be fine and dandy and perfect later. And I think that kind of, like you said, grossly simplifies the picture of like, no, God called you to be here and be alive in this time period because he wanted you to do something as Tim, as Ariel, as Andy. And it's not just like, oh, you go to heaven and you bring everyone to heaven. And that's what we're trying to do, you know. So I think like the redemptive and restorative and transformative aspects of God is something that maybe like a lot of us don't have good conversations about, but it's such a, it's such a theme, like a, such a perpetual theme in the Bible about what you're doing right now and what your life is something that actually does matter. And I think, thanks for saying that. And I just, one more thing I want to add is like, when you're talking about like how interior design, it really got so spiritual. I think honestly, that's the reason why like we love, like have, or that's the reason why we have this podcast. Cause I feel like everything about what we do should, not should be like that, but can be like that. Like it can restore, it can be godly, it can lead people to good, you know, rather than, like you said, the other options of, no, this could only be this, you know, and that's all it could be. And I love, I just I think hearing that story of just your relationship with interior design and even music is something I just wish upon like everyone, believer or not, like to learn that, this can be transformative to people's lives, you know? It's not just the thing in itself, like, what you can do with it.
1: Yeah, so, Tim, we are about to wrap up, but I just want to ask you one last question. So, can you tell everybody some things that you are doing right now or working on, or maybe even if you wanted to, like, rep something? (laughs) 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 Well...
2: I, well, I just released the album Love and Happiness, so hopefully people will go and listen to it. It's something that I'm really proud of, and uh, I also, um, I know that the the younger generation doesn't listen to CDs anymore, but I did get a couple of printed ones for for the holidays, so um, those will be coming out. So if you want to get a gift for your friend who maybe still owns a CD player, um, (laughs) that would be something that you could do. Um, and then, um, I have a couple of songs that are going to come out, uh, some collaborations that I'm doing. Um, so those will be coming out pretty soon. And yeah, other than that, you know, I'm just kind of, um, I'm still writing, still making music. Um, I don't know when the next, you know, big thing will be, um, but, uh, you know, probably over the next year, I'll still be kind of promoting the album, um, probably doing a couple of different versions of the songs as well. So that's kind of where I'm at right now.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tim. Thank you so
2: much. Thanks for thank having you. me. This was great guys.
1: No, it is our honor. Believe me. Thank you for talking with us and thank you everyone for tuning in and we'll catch you next time.